We are back again. It is Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I am Josh, and we are here to give you episode 10 in House of the Dragon today. It is the season finale of the show for season one of House of the Dragon. Number 10 is here. Huge things on the way for the future of this series and for what we're going to tackle on this episode of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. Uh, before we get into episode 10, just a quick little recap of where we left off with episode 9. Uh, Aegon was crowned king. He usurped the throne with the help of his mother, Alicent Hightower, and the Hand of the King, Otto Hightower. And everyone got in King's Land and got to see Aegon crowned with Aegon the Conqueror's crown, Aegon the Conqueror's sword, looked the part, looked official. And just when you thought celebrations were all uh, high and mighty, the beast beneath the boards blew the floorboards up. Rhaenys came up on Maelys the dragon's back, got in the Hightower's face, let them know what could have happened, then flew off, assumedly, to tell Rhaenyra of what was going on. And so that is kind of what leads us here today into episode 10. Before I go ahead and dive into the episode, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and then we'll get after it. Yeah, man, a lot of big action today. So this is really the big peak of the show moment today. So uh definitely uh big moments here this is going to be the peak of team black and i'll let you take it away man sounds good i guess one last time for the episodes that we see on screen we'll do a little cheers with our glasses in the air obviously we still got two more things coming after this but uh cheers to you man let's go ahead and get into it cheers all right to start off episode 10 Episode opens with this, I call it the cool table map on Dragonstone. I don't actually know what it's called, but it's this really sick, uh, we see it in Game of Thrones too, but we see it in a different light here in, in uh, House of the Dragon, but it shows the map of Westeros, and we have some people on it, and Lucerus is staring at it, and he's placing his hand over Driftmark, which is a cool little like nod to his inheritance and his birthright because he is in line to inherit the Driftwood throne on Driftmark. That's when Rhaenyra walks in and we notice that she is pregnant and Luke asks if the sea snake is going to die. And the sea snake again is Lord Corlys Velaryon. Uh, he mentions that he's nervous to take over as Lord of the Tides because he'll be filling big shoes. Lord Corlys is looked at as the greatest sailor that ever lived and Luke says he gets green sick before the ship even leaves the harbor. So Luke thinks he'll ruin everything and says he doesn't want Driftmark and that it should have been past a surveyment. So this whole thing, the whole episode 8 might as well not even happen because Lucerus doesn't even want the shit. Said it should have gone to Vayman. Vayman got his head cut off for this nonsense. And the guy who got the throne, Driftwood throne, doesn't even want it. But at this point, Rhaenyra tries to relate to him and tells Luke that she was the same age as him when her father chose her to inherit the Iron Throne. And Luke says that he's not like her and that Rhaenyra, she's got it all together. Perfect is the actual word that he uses, but we are not going to label Rhaenyra as perfect by any means. So, continue on. Rhaenyra tells him that she will help him along the way, just as Viserys helped her along the way to getting her prepped to rule the Iron Throne. This is where Sir Laurent walks in. And he lets Rhaenyra know that Rhaenys just arrived on Dragonback and that she urgently requests an audience with Rhaenyra and Daemon. So the scene shifts quickly to Damon and Rhaenyra in the room alone, and Rhaenys is escorted in. Princess Rhaenys, might we hope for news of Lord Corlys' recovery? Rhaenys cuts right to the point. She says, Viserys is dead. 
and it takes Damon and Rhaenyra back. And Rhaenys continues on. I grieve this loss with you, Rhaenyra. My cousin, your father, possessed a kind heart. But there is more. Aegon has been crowned as his successor. Rhaenyra has a pregnancy pain at this point, but gathers herself and replies, They crowned him? And this is when Damon speaks for the first time in this episode. And he said, How did Viserys die? Rhaenys replies, I could not say. Rhaenyra asks, How long ago? Rhaenys says, A day passed, perhaps two. I was made a prisoner in my quarters while the queen made her preparations. And Damon comes to the conclusion in his mind, he says, Viserys has been slain. And Rhaenyra says to Rhaenys, Alicent demanded you declare for Aegon. Rhaenys said, she did. I refused her. Damon cuts in, and yet you are alive. And Rhaenys says, the High Septon crowned Aegon in the dragon pit. I witnessed it myself just before I fled on Melis. And Rhaenyra responds, they crowned him before the masses. Rhaenys says, so that the masses would see him as their rightful king. And Damon cuts in here, that whore of a queen murdered my brother and stole his throne, and you could have burned them all for it. And Rhaenys responds, a war is like to be fought over this treachery to be sure. And Damon says, hmm. And Rhaenys goes, but that war is not mine to begin. I only rush this warning to you out of loyalty to my husband and to my house. The greens are coming for you, Rhaenyra, and for your children. You should leave Dragonstone at once. And Rhaenyra, she keeps having these pregnancy pains, and she checks herself, and she finds that there's blood on her hands, and she thinks the baby is coming. At this point, the, she, the scene shifts to Maester Gerardus, and he says that her term is far from complete, and that this should not be happening. And so she, and, and, and people try to like surround her and, and you know grab her and kind of soothe her, and she wants everyone to stop touching her. She wants her space. At this point, the scene cuts to Damon, and he is addressing his men on Dragonstone. And he's taking full control here. He says, I want patrols along the island's perimeter looking for any small ships that might set ashore. If the Greens attack now, it will be by stealth, not directly. We don't have enough men to surround the island, but we can make ourselves appear stronger than they are. Conscript the Dragon Keepers. They're capable fighters. Waste no time. At this point, the scene moves to Jaceris and Lucerus, and they're sparring by the beach with their swords. Jace knocks Luke down and gets annoyed with, with Luke, and the instructor tells Jace to slow down so that Luke can learn what Jace is trying to teach him. And this is where Rhaenys, she approaches and calls out to Jace and Luke and tells them that Rhaenyra wants to see them. So Jace and Luke go to see Rhaenyra, and she's having complications with the birth. Rhaenyra tells Jace and Luke that Viserys passed away and that the Greens have repudiated his succession and claimed the Iron Throne. She tells them that Aegon has been crowned king, and Jace asks what is to be done about it, and she tells him nothing yet. And Jace asks about Daemon, and Rhaenyra doesn't know where Daemon is, but assumes that he's probably off plotting his war. So Jace walks off to find Daemon, and Rhaenyra calls after him. Rhaenyra says, Jaceris, whatever claim remains to me, you are now its heir. Naught is to be done but by my command. So basically she knows Daemon's about to fuck shit up, and she needs cooler heads to prevail in this moment. So the scene moves over to Daemon, and we learn... That a raven arrived with good news that Lord Corlys's fever had broken and he has left Evenfall. So Damon asks where he's sailing and the messengers don't know. So Damon says, We'll send ravens to our nearest allies, Lords Darklin, Massey, and Baramon. And Rhaenyra shouts for Damon, and Sir Lorna asks Damon if he wants to speak with the Maester. He literally just gives him a look and ignores him. He continues on at the table, he says, I'll fly to the Riverlands myself and affirm Lord Tully's support. 
And this is when Jace walks in and he's feeling himself here because he got orders from his mom. He says, you will do no such thing. My mother has decreed that no action be taken while she's abed. And Damon says, it's, a good, it's good you're here, young prince. You're needed to patrol the skies on Veermax. Jace says, did you hear what I said? And Damon looks over and looks at Lord Bartimus. He says, the ravens, Lord Bartimus. And Lord Bartimus says, I shall see it done. Then Damon says, summon Sir Stefan. Our king's guard are needed on the dragon mount. And he turns to Jace and says, come with me. I'll show you the true meaning of loyalty. At this point, the scene cuts outside. And Damon has two knights he's addressing while Luke watches. Damon says, you swore an oath as knights of the king's guard. And Sir Laurent responds, as do all who wear the white cloak, my prince. And Damon asks, to whom? And Sir Stephen responds, I swore first to King Jaehaerys, my prince, and then to his grace, King Viserys, when he succeeded him. And Damon asks, do you acknowledge the true line of succession? And both knights say, yes, my prince. And Damon asks, do you recall who King Viserys named as heir before his death? And Sir Laurent says, Princess Rhaenyra. And Damon says, I'm grateful for your long service to the crown, so I'm presenting you with a choice. And Caraxes at this point comes flying down, lands behind Damon, and is facing the two knights. Looks menacing as fuck. Damon says, swear anew your oath to Rhaenyra as your queen, to Prince Jaehaerys as the heir to the Iron Throne. Or, if you support the usurper, speak it now, and you will have a clean and honorable death. But if you choose treachery, if you swear fealty now, only to later turn your cloaks, know that you will die screaming. And that's pretty scary, man. I don't know. I'm probably going to take, take the easiest route on that one out too with, with these knights. But anyways, while all this is happening, Rhaenyra is having these pregnancy problems and having visions of a dragon screeching in her head. And eventually she pulls a baby out by herself. And the baby just falls to the floor, dead. You know, she had, what it is, is she had a miscarriage. So she wraps the baby up herself instead of letting the Silent Sisters do it, which is normally the custom. The Silent Sisters take care of the dead. But she, she insists on doing it on her own. And while this is happening, Damon walks out to the beach and he takes a knee. And eventually, all of Dragonstone attend this funeral ceremony for the miscarried baby and they burn the body as is the custom. But at this point, a new knight appears, walking up to the proceeding, and he is stopped by Sir Stephen and Sir Lawrence, and the new knight says, I mean no harm, brothers. And the knight removes his helm, and just like we were talking about last week on episode 9, it is Sir Eric Cargill, Eric with an E, he is officially here on Team Black, his brother stuck on Team Green, we're going to see how that plays out later on, but... We have a new knight that joined, a very talented knight that has joined the Blacks. What did you think about this moment when he removed his helmet and it was Sir Eric and what he was carrying? What did you think about that? Yeah, I I mean, I expected it because he walked off <laughs> in that moment, but I wasn't sure when he'd get over there. But, like, I, I mean, it was kind of predictable in my opinion, but that's just me. But you liked it, though, so that's good. I did, and I, not so much that I, I found it. That I also thought him arriving there was predictable, but what he had with him is the thing I did not expect, because we did this not was exactly we didn't yeah. see this happen in episode nine. All we saw was him kind of like walk off and get broken up from Rainice and the crowd that was moving towards the the uh, the dragon pit where 
Aegon was being crowned king. So, at this point in, in this episode, Sir Eric kneels before Rhaenyra, and he pulls out her father's crown, presenting it to her. And so this crown is the one that Alicent placed on Viserys' corpse in episode 9, and somehow Sir Eric stole that crown and brought it to Rhaenyra on Dragonstone, and that's the part I found super fucking cool. Um, and as, as he presents this crown to her, Sir Eric says, I swear to ward the queen with all my strength and give my blood for hers. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall guard her secrets, obey her commands, ride at her side, and defend her name and honor. And Damon takes the crown from Sir Eric, places it on Rhaenyra's head, and kneels before her, and all of Dragonstone does the same, except for Rhaenys. And I thought this part was really interesting, because at this point, Rhaenys is kind of neutral. She's Switzerland in this moment. She hasn't declared one way or the other. So I thought it was interesting that everybody there was taking a knee except Rhaenys. Uh, but they make their way... So And also, there's other people standing guard, too. The guards that were around the area make sure nothing was happening from the skies. We're going to let them slide for not taking any. I think that was meant to be. But I definitely wanted to make point of Rhaenys still standing. But anyways, they make their way back to the map room. And at this point, it gets really cool. Because they light the candles underneath. And the map has this badass embery light glow to it now. And they never figured this part out in the Game of Thrones uh, series you know, that, that we watched initially, you know, back when it was going through it. So what did you think about this map table and how cool did you find it when they lit the lights underneath it? Yeah, that is really awesome. That map table actually goes back to Aegon the Conqueror that had it uh, carved into the table for the whole map of uh, Westeros when he decided to expand west. But yeah, it was badass, man. It was really cool. It kind of reminded me of like... Um, I can't even ex explain it, but it, it reminded me of almost like a Fast and the Furious with the lights underneath the car. <laughs> like, they turn them on and everything lights up. Or like a lava lamp or something. It was badass, man. It was really cool. The old underglow. Yeah, dude. It, it did look really cool, man. Like, like, honestly, if I could get a a custom table that looked like that, I, I would put that right in the old kitchen, man. Ain't no problem there. But I thought it was really cool. But at this point, Damon announces her arrival to the room. And just like in episode 9, where Sir Chris and Cole announced King Aegon with all his titles, Damon at this point announces Queen Rhaenyra's uh, titles to the room. He says, Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen, first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the Rhoynar and the First Men, Lady of the Seven Kingdoms and Protector of the Realm. So now we've got this really weird situation where we've got King Aegon over there in King's Landing. we got Queen Rhaenyra over here on Dragonstone, both claiming to be the protector of the realm and the, the king or queen of the Andals and the Rhoynar and the First Men. So it's just, it, we're really coming to a conflict here. So Rhaenyra asks what their standing is, and Damon tells her that they have 30 knights, 100 crossbowmen, and 300 men-at-arms. He continues on and says that Dragonstone is relatively easy to defend, but if it comes to conquest, that their army leaves a lot to be desired. Damon says he has sent word to his loyal men in the City Watch, and he expects some level of support there. This is where the Maester comes in and says they already have declarations from Keltigar and Staunton, Massey, Darklin, and Baramon. And Rhaenyra says that her mother was an Aaron, and she believes that the Vale will not turn cloak against their own kin, so she thinks that she can count the Vale of Aaron to their side also. 
which, you know, we'll see how that turns out probably next season. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Maester says that River Run was always a close friend of Viserys and that with Damon's acquiescence, he already sent ravens to Lord Grover. Now, Rhaenyra tells him that Lord Grover is fickle and is easily swayed and that he will need to be convinced of their position and that they will, so that way the Grovers will support them if it comes to war. Uh, Damon tells her that he is going to treat with Lord Grover himself. So that, that'll probably help out a little bit, right? <laughs> but anyway, Sir, Sir Stephen Darklin asks about Winterfell and Storm's End. Uh, Lord Bartimus says that there's never lived a Stark who forgot an oath, and that with House Stark, the North will follow, which could be a really big addition to Rhaenyra's army. Now Rhaenyra says Lord Boros Baratheon will need to be reminded of his father's promises. And at this point, pieces are being placed on the table map, in in certain locations kind of similarly that we saw all through game of thrones when even those little tents that rob stark had they had the wolf pieces and the lion pieces and all that it was kind of cool something like that just with more houses here it's it was really interesting how they they put this together but at this point rhaenyra asks rhaenys about driftmark and rhaenys says lord corley sails for dragonstone and daemon says to declare for his queen to which rhaenys says the valarian fleet is in my husband's yoke he decides where they sail and Rhaenyra says, We shall pray for both you and your husband's support, just as we prayed nightly for the sea snake's return to good health. There is no port on the narrow sea that would dare to make an enemy of the Valarian fleet. And then Rhaenyra asks about their enemies, and Damon tells her that they have no friends among the Lannisters, shocker, and then, which Rhaenyra concludes at that point, they aren't likely to find any allies west of the Golden Tooth. And Damon tells Rhaenyra that the Riverlands are essential in this war to come. Now, one of the other men in the room speaks up and says, Pray forgiveness, my bluntness, your grace, but talk of men is moot. Your cause owns a power that has not been seen in this world since the days of old Valyria. Dragons. And Rhaenyra says, The greens have dragons as well. And Damon says, They have three adults by my count. We have Cyrax, Caraxes, and Melis. Your sons have Virmax, Eryx, and Tyraxis. Bela has Moondancer. And Rhaenyra says, Damon, none of our dragons have been to war. And Damon continues on, there are also unclaimed dragons. Sea Smoke still resides in Driftmark. Vermithor and Silverwing dwell on the Dragon Mount, still riderless. Then there are the three wild dragons, all of whom nest here. And Rhaenyra asks, who is to ride them? And Damon just continues on, Dragonstone has 13 to their 4. I also have a score of eggs incubating in Dragon Mount. Now... We need a place to gather, a toehold large enough to house a sizable host here at Harrenhal. If we cut off the west, surround King's Landing with the dragons, and we could have every green's head mounted on spikes before the fucking moon turns. So Damon's ready to fucking get this business started. He, he, he wants no, he's, he's taking no prisoners. He wants every green's head mounted on spikes. Dude, did you get fired up after Damon gave the speech here, or was that just me? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty badass. He, uh... It's definitely aggressive, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, he wanted to get right in that action. At this point, Sir Eric with an E comes in and tells Rhaenyra that a ship has been sighted offshore, a lone galleon flying a banner of a three-headed green dragon. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> Damon tells them to alert the watchtower and sight the skies. And we get a little deja vu here from earlier this season where Otto came to retrieve the dragon egg that Damon stole for his like quote unquote son that he or like uh, his child he was having with Missaria way back in episode two, when he he they all came there and Rhaenyra ended up 
But when it was still Millie Alcock who was Rhaenyra, ended up flying on Syraxis. We had that Isyrax, and we had Caraxes on the other end, and they were kind of looking at each other in a standoff, and Damon threw the egg back at them when Otto came up there and all that good stuff. Well, this is kind of like a deja vu moment. It's not exactly like that, but they meet in the same exact spot. And to kind of go from there, Otto and his retinue approach Damon and those loyal to Rhaenyra. And Otto says, I come here at behest of the Dowager Queen Alicent, mother of King Aegon, second of his name, Lord and Protector of the Seven Kingdoms. I've been directed to deliver her a message only to Princess Rhaenyra. Where is the princess? And it's interesting because he's, he's intentionally using the word princess and like accentuating the word princess here. Because obviously she thinks she's queen and he's trying to put her in her place and let her know she's the princess and that Aegon is king. So right on cue, Rhaenyra flies down on Cyrax with her father's old crown on her head. Fucking sick. And then she lands on the other side, kind of pitting Otto and his men between her and Cyrax and Damon and his men on the other side. So it was a really smart move. They have them all cornered in. So she could have got real funky with it if she wanted to. But she she honored the, the, the code there and had the little message back and forth. So anyway, she walks over to join Damon, but leaves Cyrax on the other side. And Otto says, Princess Rhaenyra. And Rhaenyra says, I'm Queen Rhaenyra now. And you are all traitors to the realm. And Otto responds, King Aegon Targaryen, second of his name, in his wisdom and desire for peace, is offering terms. Acknowledge Aegon as king and swear obeisance before the Iron Throne. In exchange, his grace will confirm your possession of Dragonstone. It will pass to your trueborn son, Jaceris, upon your death. Lucerus will be confirmed as the legitimate heir to Driftmark and all the lands and holdings of House Valarian. Your sons by Prince Daemon will also be giving places of high honor at court. Aegon the Younger as a king's squire, Viserys as his cupbearer. Finally, the king in his good grace will pardon any knight or lord who conspired against his ascent. At this point, Damon looks at him and he said, I would rather feed my sons to the dragons than have them carry shields and cups for your drunken usurper cunt of a king. And Otto responds, Aegon Targaryen sits the Iron Throne. He wears the Conqueror's crown. Wields the Conqueror's sword, has the Conqueror's name. He was anointed by a septon of the faith before the eyes of thousands. Every symbol of legitimacy belongs to him. And then there is Stark, Tully, Baratheon houses that have also received and are at present considering generous terms from their king. Rhaenyra responds, Stark, Tully, and Baratheon all swore to me when King Viserys named me his heir. Notice the stale oaths will not put you on the Iron Throne, princess. The succession changed the day your father sired a son. I only regret that you and he were the last to see the truth of it. And at this point, Rhaenyra walks up to him swiftly, grabs the pin on his, on his shirt, the hand of the kingpin, and says, You are no more hand than Aegon is king, fucking traitor, and throws the hand of the kingpin off the side of the walkway. And then Otto calls for the Grand Maester to come forward, and he takes the parchment and hands it to Rhaenyra. And this thing that he hands to Rhaenyra is the page that she ripped out of the book back when her and Alicent were childhood friends. And it was meant to be sentimental. And Otto says, Queen Alicent has not forgotten the love you had once had for each other. No blood need be spilled, so the realm can carry on in peace. Queen Alicent eagerly awaits your answer. And here comes Damon, just fucking ready for action. He goes... She can have her answer now, stuffed in her father's mouth along with his withered cock. Let's end this moment's farce. And he draws his sword and so do all the others. And he looks over and says, Sir Eric, 
bring me Lord Hightower so I may take the pleasure myself. And Rhaenyra says no, and Damon points his sword into the ground, and Rhaenyra tells Otto that King's Landing will have their answer on the morrow, and they move back to the map room. So sad, I really wanted to see I wanted to see some action on the walkway. Every time we go to this damn walkway, we get all pumped up thinking some cool battle's gonna take place, and nothing never takes place, but anyways, we go back to the map room, and Damon is continuing on here with his quotes. He says, It is no easy thing for a man to be a dragon slayer, but dragons can kill dragons and have. The simple truth is this, we have more dragons than Aegon. And Rhaenyra says back to him, Viserys spoke often of the Valyrian histories. I know them well. When dragons flew to war, everything burned. I do not wish to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone. And Chase, who the hell does she sound like when she says, I do not wish to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone? Oh, we know exactly who she sounds like. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> you don't want to be a queen of the ashes. Pretty ironic, too, with uh, Otto's hand of the kingpin being thrown off because it reminded me of someone throwing their own hand of the kingpin off but remind me of danny <laughs> absolutely and good point i didn't even think about uh, Tyrion throwing the hand of the kingpin off so that was a really good comparison there it slipped my mind so good catch but going on from there lord bartimus asks are you considering the high tower's terms your grace and rhaenyra mentions as queen what is my true duty to the realm lord bartimus in ensuring peace and unity or that i sit the iron throne no matter the cost and Damon says, that's your father talking. Rhaenyra says, my father's dead. And he chose me as his successor to defend the realm, not cast it headlong into war. Damon says, well, the enemy have, have declared war. What are you going to do about it? And then Rhaenyra tells everyone to clear the room so she can talk to Damon one-on-one. And she asks him if the promise of war excites him. And he explains that she cannot bend the knee to the high towers because they store birthright. So then she asks Damon if... He could take the Iron Throne without putting a Hightower's head on a spike, would he? And he asks her if she is angry or not, and she snidely replies, Oh, I should declare war because I'm angry? To which Damon says back, No, because it is your duty as queen to crush rebellion. And he says, You know my oath reaches beyond our personal ambitions. A song of ice and fire. And Damon says, What? And Rhea continues on, The coming war against the darkness in the north. The Conqueror's Dream. Viserys shared it with me when he named me heir. And this is a really strange part for a couple different reasons. Like, Damon grabs Rhaenyra by the throat and choking her. And brings, like, like tightening his, his grip and brings her face closer to his and says, My brother was a slave to his omens and portents. Anything to make his reckless reign appear to have purpose. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. And he releases her. And it's this moment... Where Rhaenyra realizes Viserys never told Aegon, or never told Daemon about Aegon's dream, and that's a huge, huge thing because this is a secret that's passed down to the next ruling Targaryen. So that leads us to believe that Viserys never intended on Daemon being his heir. Period. What did you think about this moment here? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that is a good point that he never really saw him as his heir. Um. Then again, I don't know, because Viserys also told that to Allison. So that's kind of also my issue here, is he was kind of telling that to everybody. So I think it was just more of, at the same time, if he had told Damon that, Damon wouldn't have given a shit. Like, I think Damon probably would have said, well, we didn't, you know, 
we didn't conquer the realm on dreams is probably what Damon would have said. So that's kind of like my argument with that. My only issue is like, he also told the same thing to Allison. So, you know, he was also talking about the same thing to Emma and he never wanted them to be heir. So I just think he was, you know, dude was delusional half the time, literally actually delusional because he was literally losing uh you know losing health so i'm not sure i don't know uh, what do you think well he only told emma and allison his own dream of seeing his own son on the iron throne he never told any of them about aegon's dream until the very last uh, you know part in episode eight before he died when he thought he was talking to rhaenyra and he was all hopped up on That's milk true. like all yeah. hopped up on milk of the poppy so like, he had no idea who he was talking to. That's why the whole miscommunication came about as it was. So uh, he didn't tell anyone intentionally about the, the dream of the Song of Ice and Fire. Like, he told Rhaenyra for sure. They were going to have the conversation about it. But he never told Allison. Like, he did, but he didn't realize he was telling Allison because he was all drugged up on the pain medication and dying. So it could be. Could be. Yeah, but to, to continue, on, continue on there, uh, Damon walks off and, you know, I, that's a huge revelation for her that she realizes that Viserys never told him about the, the Song of Ice and Fire. You can see in her face, like, the shocked and, like, surprised look. But then the scene moves and then it's, it's to Lord Corlys and he's waking up in a bed with Rainey sleeping in a chair next to him. And Rainey scolds him for abandoning her when she needed him the most. And Corlys approaches the subject of them having a new king. And Rhaenys tells Corlys that his brother Vaymond is also dead because he announced Laenor's sons as illegitimate in front of the king and court and that Daemon took his head for it. To which Corlys responds, Heedless ambition has always been a Valarian weakness. And Corlys at that point tells Rhaenys that she was right about everything, that he pushed too far, and that his pursuit of the Iron Throne is at an end. He says they will declare for no one and they will return to Driftmark content with their grandchildren. But Rhaenys reminds him that Jace, Luke, and Joffrey are claimants to the Driftwood throne and they won't be safe as long as Aegon is king. And Corlys is kind of pissed because he says, Rhaenyra was complicit in our son's death. That girl destroys everything she touches. And Rhaenys at this point finally takes Rhaenyra's side and sticks up for her. She goes, that girl is holding the realm together at present. Every man standing around that painted table urges her to plunge, in, plunge the realm into war. Rhaenyra is the only one who's showing and demonstrating restraint. And the scene moves to Rhaenyra and all of the men around her are bickering. And it goes on for a few seconds until Lord Corlys walks down the steps and he is announced by Sir Eric to be entering the room and everyone shoves up real quick. At this point, Corlys gives Rhaenyra his condolences about Viserys' death and he asks where Daemon is, but she says that there were other concerns that demanded his attention. And Corlys asks about her declared allies on the map and tells her it's too few to win a war for the throne. She tells him that she hopes to have the support of houses, Aaron, Baratheon, and Stark. And Corlys responds that hope is the fool's ally. Rhaenyra then defends her stance and says that Aaron and Baratheon shared blood with her house and that they all swore oaths to her. And Corlys reminds her that House Hightower swore to her as well. And now they are the direct enemy and challenge to the throne. And she kind of plays the Una reverse card on his ass and reminds him that he also swore an oath to her as heir and her and the future queen. And that's when Corlys takes a look at his grandchildren, Bela, Jace, Luke, and Rhea, and says to Rhaenyra, Your father's realm was one of justice and honor. 
Our houses are bound by common blood and common cause. This high tower treason cannot stand. You have the full support of our fleet and house, your grace. So, the Valarians have pledged their allegiance to Rhaenyra, which is huge for the battle because they command the biggest and most powerful fleet in the Seven Kingdoms. Big time here, man. That was good shit. Uh, she tells him that she made a promise to her father to hold the realm strong and united that if war's first stroke is to fall, it will not be by her hand. And that's a big foreshadow. She says, that, hey, look, if war's coming, it's not going to be by my hand. I'm not drawing first blood. And I'm just going to say uh, that is a foreshadow because yeah, she might have been right, but shouldn't be happy about the fact that she was right. So uh, He asks her if she means not to act. And she replies that taking caution does not mean standing fast. And she wants to know who her allies are before sending them to war. So Corley shows her a possible plan that could work. He said that because of his fighting in the Stepstones, they now control the Stepstones, and that he fully garrisoned the territory this time, which means they could create a total blockade of the shipping lanes, and that can be in place in days if it's not already. And he tells them that the narrow sea is theirs. He continues on and tells them if they further seal the gullet, they can cut off all seaborne travel and trade to King's Landing. And Rhaenys cuts in and says she shall take Maelise and patrol the gullet herself. And Lord Bartimus at this point says when we drain the narrow sea... We can surround King's Landing, lay siege to the Red Keep, and force the Greens surrender. And Rhaenyra says, If we're going to have enough swords to surround King's Landing, we must first secure support of Winterfell, the Eyrie, and Storm's End. And the Maester says he will prepare the Ravens. But Jace interjects and says that he and Luke should bear those messages because dragons can fly faster than ravens and they're more convincing. He tells his mom to send them, and Lord Corley's voices his support for the idea and says, The prince is right, your grace. So, Rhaenyra agrees and says that Jaceris will fly north, first to the Eyrie to see her mother's cousin, Lady Jane Arryn, and then to Winterfell to treat with Lord Craigon Stark for the support of the north. She tells Luceris that Luceris will fly, to, fly south to Storm's End and treat with Lord Boris Baratheon. And Rhaenyra says, We must remind these lords of the oaths they swore and the cost of breaking them. And the scene then shifts to Rhaenyra on the battlements overlooking Dragonstone, and Jace and Luke approach her. She has the messages or letters in her hand that they are going to be bringing to Winterfell and Storm's End. Rhaenyra says to them, It's been said that as Targaryens we are closer to gods than to men, and the Iron Throne puts us a touch closer, perhaps. But if we are to serve the Seven Kingdoms, we must answer to their gods. If you take this errand, you go as messengers, not as warriors. You must pay, take no part in any fighting. Swear it to me now under the eyes of the seven. And Lucera says, I swear it. Which is a little bit ironic. And Jacera says, I swear it. And she tells Jace that Craigon Stark is closer to his age than hers and that as men, they should be able to find common interest. Then she turns to Luke and says, Storm's End is a short flight from here. You have Baratheon blood from your grandmother, Rhaenys, and Lord Boros is an eternally proud man. He will be honored to host a prince of the realm and his dragon. So Rhaenyra places the parchment in Luke's hand and says, I expect you will receive a very warm welcome. Which is kind of ironic as well. <laughs> uh, Lucera says, yes, mother. Uh, sorry, your grace. And she takes one last look at her boys and she says, go to it then. And then we get this really awesome uh, scene cut to the outer look of Dragonstone. And we see three dragons take off. Luke on Eric's. Jason Veermax 
flying to their duty. What did you think about the scene of all the dragons leaving Dragonstone? Did you catch that? And did you think that was one hell of a visual? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of uh, when Danny in season seven left with the three dragons, but I think Drogon's a little bit more badass. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool though. It was pretty awesome, for sure. And then uh, at that point, the scene shifts to Damon, and he's going deep into the dragon pits beneath Dragonstone with a torch, and he starts singing in this haunting Valyrian tune, and continues walking until he gets to a certain point and puts the torch on the ground, but the torch is still lit. We hear these noises. Then out of the dark, we see a massive dragon just start shooting jets of flame throughout the pit. And Damon stands tall and continues singing. And we see the dragon and Damon lock eye to eye. And in the dragon's eyes reflection, we can see Damon's eyes. And he's reaching out with his hand to attempt to bond with it. And that's going to be a huge uh, thing going forward. So keep that in mind, everyone. Then the scene cuts to Luke and Eric's flying through. It's like a mini storm on their way to Storm Zen. I wouldn't say like this is a big, big storm, but anyways, yeah, him and Eric's are flying through, and Luke lands at the entrance to the Great Hall at Storm Zen. He hops off Eric's and he starts walking, but he hears a noise, and he turns, and we see Vagar's giant ass in the distance, meaning Amund is there. And what was so laughable is you see Luke hop off Eric's and obviously being a dragon he looks like a big dragon when he's all alone but then you look at the size difference between the camera panning from Eric's to the camera panning to Vagar and it is scary man what did you think what did you laugh a little bit when you saw the difference in the size of those dragons it wasn't even close yeah it literally wasn't even close it was Vagar's a behemoth that shit looked like Godzilla man that was <laughs> massive for sure so Luke then announces himself to the guards and tells them that he is there bearing a message from the queen and they usher him in. And Aemond is in the hall already standing off to the side when Lucerus is introduced. And Luke says, Lord Boros, I brought you a message from my mother, the queen. And Lord Boros responds, yet earlier this day I received an envoy from the king. Which is it, king or queen? The house of the dragon does not seem to know who rules it. What's your mother's message? And Luke pulls out the parchment and has one of the guards walk it up to Lord Boros. When I found this really interesting, Lord Boros can't read. He has a, he's a lord of this entire Storm Zen. Has all the ability to have all the great maesters or teachers or whatever teach him how to read. And he just never took advantage of it. All he does is hands the letter off to his maester. And the maester reads it and whispers back to him like what's in the message. And Lord Boros says, Remind me of my father's oath. King Aegon at least came with an offer. My swords and banners for a marriage pact. If I do as your mother bids, which one of my daughters will you wed, boy? And Lucera says, My lord, I am not free to marry. I am already betrothed. And Lord Boros responds, So you came with empty hands. Go home, pup, and tell your mother that the lord of Storm's End is not some dog that she can whistle up at need to set against her foes. And Lucera says, I shall take your answer to the queen, my lord. And Lucerus turns to leave, and as he does so, Aemon calls out to him. Aemon says, Wait, my lord strong. Did you really think that you could just fly about the realm, trying to steal my brother's throne at no cost? And Lucerus responds, I will not fight you. I came as a messenger, not a warrior. And Aemon says back, A fight would be little challenge. No, 
I want you to put out your eye, as payment for mine. One will serve. He pulls out his dagger and tosses it towards Luke. He says, I will not blind you. I plan to make it a, gi a gift of it to my mother. And Lucera says, no. And Ava says, then you are craven as well as a traitor. And Lord Boros cuts in and yells, not here. And Eamon says, give me your eye or I will take it, bastard. And he starts walking toward Luke and picks his dagger up off the ground. Luke pulls out his sword and Lord Boros stands up and yells, not in my hall. The boy came as an envoy. I'll not have bloodshed beneath my roof. Take Prince Lucerus back to his dragon now. And the guards escort Luke back to Eric's. And now it is storming heavily outside. And Luke looks to where Vagar was and... Vagar is not there anymore. He turns to Eriks and tells him to pay attention, to listen, and be calm. He says it all in, in Valyrian, but I'm not going through the Valyrian words. So he tells Eriks to fly, and they take off into the storm. And they don't call a storm's end for nothing, man. I thought this was really cool. The visuals of the rain and the lightning and the darkness and the sounds and the thunder. I thought it was all phenomenal. Like, like auditorily and visually, absolutely creative and stunning. So... Thought that was super cool. What did what did you think about what they made Storm's End look like? Getting like getting the name Storm's End and really kind of creating that whole scene. What did you think about that? Yeah, it was visually stunning. It reminded me a lot of Attack of the Clones when Obi Wan goes to like the Clones Island and the rain is everywhere. But then you had that one moment. I won't get into what happens. I'll let you take it away. But like it just in the sky when they're flying on these dragons, it was reminded me a lot of like that one tiny glimpse of a scene we had in the long night with game of thrones so they did an excellent job with the visuals here it was absolutely fantastic absolutely agree and so as luke is flying on eric's in the rain this is the point i think chase was about to just make there and and we see we have like a good decent visual of eric's and then above eric's we see this shadow, a monstrous shadow of a dragon at least five times Eric's size above it, but he doesn't even notice that Vagar is there above him. So it was just really cool to see in like the rain and, and the clouds and the in the the mist. You know, we see one dragon here and then the other one fly and just overshadow and take the sky. I thought that was fucking sick. But to continue on from there. Uh, I, I even put in my notes here, I said, Eric's looks like a mouse next to a lion. <laughs> That's really kind of what he looked like to me. But uh, Aemond is tormenting them, chasing them down, and having Vagar take little snips and bites at Eric's. But Luke is smart and leads Eric's to a tiny opening in the cliffs that Vagar cannot fit through. And maybe if they just stayed there for a little bit, probably could have waited out the storm, but, you know, alas, no such luck. But... Uh, as Luke and Eric's are bobbing and weaving through the cliff fissures, Vagar is flying above, trying to keep them in sight. And eventually, it looks as though Eric's and Luke got away. And then Aemon laughs to the sky and says in Valyrian, You owe a debt, boy! And as Aemon is scouting the area for Luke, Eric's surprise attacks Vagar by hitting Vagar with a fire blast to the side of Vagar's face, while Luke was yelling, No, Eric's! No, Eric's! Serve me! So that was a complete accident. It was like it was almost like a, a cornered fox, like that just attacks whatever's coming at it. You know, Eric decided it was gonna attack instead of sit back and, and try to run away. And well, uh, let's just say Vagar didn't take that very kindly. <laughs> so at that point, Vagar is pissed and starts roaring, ready for fucking battle. And Aemon at this point is like, no, 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 Vagar, no. 
and Vagar is going against Aemon's command and and his pulling because Aemon's trying to pull Vagar one way and Vagar's like nah fuck that we're, we're about to get after it and Aemon continues to yell serve me Vagar no and the camera pans back to Luke and him and Eryx they finally clear the storm and they are in clear blue skies and Luke looks behind them to see if Aemon and Vagar are uh, Aemon and Vagar are still in pursuit then out of nowhere, their camera swiftly pans to the front. Vagar lunges from nowhere and takes a few bites out of Eryx's body, tearing it apart with Luke still on Eryx's back. And as that sequence happens, you can hear Aemon yelling at Vagar, Vagar, no, no! And we see that Aemon does not have full control of Vagar, and that Vagar will still do what she wants when threatened. And you know what this reminded me, bro? It reminded me almost like, in the original Game Boy Pokemon games, where like if you didn't have a high enough badge level, like if you didn't have enough badges, the higher level Pokemon would only listen to you like one out of five times, and like it, like it kind of really reminded <laughs> me of that. Did it kind of give you that same thought and feeling? That's a that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. It definitely, uh, it basically reminded made me think like you know Vagar saw kind of reminded me of like like for instance my old dog I used to have. Uh, when I was really little and I would take him on walks, he was more pulling me than I was pulling him. And I'd have to, like, try to catch up to him. So it kind of, like, made me think, like, Vagar is basically telling Eamon in this moment, like, fuck you. I've been around a lot longer. You can sit on me all you want and shout your commands, but I really own the reins here. And you're just going to go along with whatever the fuck I do. <laughs> and so that's basically what I got from it. For sure. And, like, the camera at that point pans, and we see a bunch of Eryx's body parts falling down towards the ground with Luke nowhere in sight, obviously. Uh, you know, there's it's funny because when we, we talk a little bit about the passages that correlate in the book Fire and Blood, there's a few different, uh, uh, there's a different ways that people saw, like, what happened here. Like, they have different views of the outcome, but I won't give that away just yet. Uh, Amond the camera then shifts back to Eamon and he's scared as fuck when he realizes what he's just done and you can see it in his face because what did he do? he basically just started the fucking war he just killed Prince Lucerus Valarian dragon battle in the sky and that's all anyone's gonna see it doesn't matter if it was an accident it doesn't matter if it was on purpose they were alone in the sky two dragons fighting and flying and only one survived so uh, they, like you said Eamon just started the fucking war then the scene cuts over and we see Damon walking towards Rhaenyra who is standing at the map table with her advisors. And there's no words going on now. There's just solemn music. And he gets to her, takes her by the hand and moves a couple steps towards the fireplace. And obviously, like I said, there's still just the solemn music so you can't hear any words. There's no captions of any words being spoken. It's just super eerie. And you can tell though that he gives her the news. We can't hear it because it's just that solemn music playing for dramatic effect. But you can tell by her body language that Damon just told her Lucerus Valarian is dead. And then to kind of close out this season, Rhaenyra slowly turns around and tears are falling from her face but a look of complete vengeance in her eyes. And that ends the episode. And it reminded me of the quote in the book Fire and Blood where it says, then the storm broke, and the dragons danced. And that's how I'm cutting off that episode, man. How do we do there? Yeah, it was badass. You did really good. Um, just a couple of side notes here, so not to give too much away, but the dragon that 
Damon actually approaches is King Jahari's old dragon. Uh, did you want to wait and tell that for another time? No, I I'm think that, that's totally name. fine because he mentioned it himself. Uh, in in the, the quotes that we read there, he mentioned that Vermithor, King Jaehaerys' old dragon, is still riderless. So they, they, yeah. mentioned, they mentioned it in this episode, so we're not giving anything away. But yeah, dude, but, and then we think about it that way because how old Jaehaerys was and how many years it's been since Jaehaerys passed, we can only imagine how large Vermithor is. And that's just something that hopefully we'll, we'll be able to see in more depth next season of Season 2, House of the Dragon. Yeah, cool side note here. So, quick interesting fact. You mentioned the song. What's interesting about this is because since that dragon is so old, almost like Vagar, which I think, you know, that dragon will definitely help them out in this like battle here. But in English, so what it actually says is from my voice, so it says fire breather, winged leader, but two heads to a third scene. From my voice, the fires have spoken, and the pr- price has been paid. With blood magic, with words of flame, with clear eyes to bind the three. To you I sing, to you I sing as one we gather, and with three heads we shall fly as we were destined, beautifully and freely. So what they think this song means is this is actually a super old song from Aegon the Conqueror and his sister wives. And how they took over Westeros. Also, they think, which is interesting, another theory on this, is this is the high uh, Valyrian, not Valarian, Valyrian song that they would use to bond with dragons and also to breed dragons. So it's just an interesting thought because we saw Damon earlier, a couple episodes ago, grabbing eggs. And this could possibly be his process for how he's gaining these dragons. Um, just like he even mentioned earlier in this episode here, you know, the wild dragons that they haven't claimed yet. So this could possibly be part of his uh, part of his kind of plan. So uh, very interesting stuff here. But no, it was an excellent episode. Um, you know, we had a lot of really a lot of build up action here. And the big climax was at the very end when. You know, that big behemoth just destroyed whatever was in his path. No contest. KO for uh, Vagar wins. Like, that was, it was like no contest. Like, it wasn't even funny. Um, and and now you're, you kind of leave off on the point where definitely I don't think Team Black is going to be holding anything back at this moment. And you're already seeing Damon is kind of, going AWOL. She actually even says it in the episode at one moment. She said Damon's gone mad. <laughs> and it's definitely uh yeah, I don't think they're gonna be holding anything back at this point. And I think that's what's gonna lead into really a true tragedy. But uh yeah, no, it was an excellent I, if I could rate it on a scale, I would probably give it a nine point five. I think that's fair. Okay. I, I don't know if I should start with how I would rate it or my takeaways overall. You know, I'll start with the takeaways first. Uh, you know, it, it was great to see the Blacks' response. I thought it was really cool to see them all come together on Dragonstone, which is notorious at being a, uh, a Targaryen stronghold just throughout the history of, of Westeros. So the, the, we had Lord Corlys ends up breaking his fever. That's going to be a huge win to have the sea snake at their side when they're going through this war. That's a huge, huge win for the blacks there. 
they they uh, they convince them, and obviously, you know, Maylise is is one of the bigger dragons in in the series at the moment too. I think uh, it's got to be, you know, outside of Vagar and Vermithor, probably the third biggest dragon. Would you say? Would you say it's the third biggest? Yeah, I I would. I mean, yeah, I mean that's out of all of them, that's like who. But I mean, Vagar is the biggest. Like that's just the way it is. But otherwise i mean sunfire is pretty big too we haven't really gotten into that but um vermithor's up there yeah i mean besides Beleriand the dread which he's dead so yeah so i think the rankings of size at the point this point in time where the series is at, i think vagar is the largest i think vermithor is the second largest and i just don't know if maylise or sunfire is bigger but long story short maylise is still a big big dragon regardless so we got her on her side, which is huge. And then obviously Damon on Caraxes, the blood worm, the cool looking dragon there. That's always going to be <laughs> a tough to deal with for the greens. And, and you know, Rhaenyra's on uh, Cyrax. That's not a small dragon either. So, you know, they even, they cut it down to the brass numbers and said, we've got 13 adult dragons. They got four. And <laughs> that's not good odds for the greens. But, you know, the greens do have a little bit of a head start. And they've already crowned Aegon in front of the masses so a lot of people already assume that that Aegon is, is the rightful king so this is and to Rhaenyra's credit she said look if it's going to come to war because we really want to kind of settle this with with like ravens and, and gaining allies and just making it seem like it's useless and like in this battle you're like they, if it does come to war you guys have no chance you want to cut you off and that's what the whole plan was with with Corlys to cut off the, the narrow sea and all the trade ports so no supplies could get to King's Landing and then get the north to come down to be like look we got you surrounded you got to surrender <laughs> like, you know you ain't got nowhere to go and but then obviously Aemon accidentally kills Lucerys and now shit's about to hit the fucking fan <laughs> so um yeah i think that i think this is uh, this episode has so much the end, end to play with each other that I I was fully entertained, and I really even enjoyed the whole crowning of Rhaenyra on Dragonstone, and how Sir Eric comes into play, switches to the side, and presents her her father's crown. You know, because now you got that that crown against Aegon the Conqueror's crown on Aegon the Second's head right now. It's, it's just each of them have these sort of claims to legitimacy, and it it's so interesting. And the the chess that's being played between the two sides. You got Otto coming over here, giving her terms if. And if we're really thinking about this, to give the Greens credit, those terms were actually really good. Like making, yeah. like, like if you really think about it, those terms are they, they're going to name them, give them full possession of Dragonstone to pass down. They're going to legitimize Jaceris and Lucerus, make sure no one ever questions their birth. Lucerus takes Driftmark, and then all of the paths, like the, the Blownings, follow him into his heirs and. You know, places of high court for the sons between Damon and and Rhaenyra. Like these are really good terms overall. Like that that still leaves them as the second strongest and and most like have the most resources outside of the Greens themselves in all of Westeros. So it's not like it gave them some shit terms that you can just slap away. That's why Rhaenyra is like, well, they'll have my answer on the morrow because they gotta consider this because she doesn't want to like she said rule over Ash and Bone. So like. You got that side of stuff where like they actually did come with some decent terms, but then at that point you're always gonna wonder like what if they don't hold up their end of the bargain and they turn on us and they kill us anyways. So it's just one of those things that you gotta think about all possible scenarios, and that's why I really really enjoyed this episode. 
uh, you know, I would say in the rating, I'd, I'd probably give it the same as I gave last episode with a 9.7 out of 10. Because we not only did we get the the intellectual, you know, mind teaser of like trying to follow all these different moving pieces, we also got some really cool fucking action with our first real dragon fight that we see in this season like two dragons against each other yeah yes it was a a cheap dragon fight it wasn't one that was going to be closely contested and it wasn't you know it didn't last more than a couple seconds but we still got our first dragon fight and like for the first time we saw a dragon kill a dragon in house of the dragons so i thought that was that was really cool and then on top of it you see these beautiful visuals like them leaving dragonstone with them flapping in the wind and then storm's end how they made that look to match the name storm's end was just fucking cool man so yeah no my takeaways is was a, an amazing episode all around uh Got to give it a 9.7 out of 10. reason I would give it much higher because it doesn't directly align with what happens in Fire and Blood during these passages. There's a few differences. I don't want to get into those right now, but uh, just give it a nice little idea of why. You know, 9.7 kind of is going to top me out there. I'm not going to get any higher. But yeah, man, I don't know. What kind of debates did you have for this episode? Yeah, in uh, note over here, just remember, I think the reason they offered those terms, if Otto had his way, I don't think we would have been offering terms, but that goes back until last week. Alicent, because she kind of won over the game on Otto, remember, she said, we're going to be offering terms here. So if Otto had his way, I don't think there would be any terms there. But granted, that's still better than the terms Damon gave the Kingsguard. (laughs) <laughs> like in my opinion damon's terms were you know swear your loyalty here and you're with me or don't and i'll give you an honorable death and you're gonna die right here like that's it there are no other terms so in my opinion i don't think it's right <laughs> what the greens did but they were more reasonable than the other side so that's where there's no I mean, I, it's hard for me to even say there's a good side because the good side isn't exactly reasonable either. So so you can't really say there's a good side and a bad side, just different perspectives of a complete tragedy. But um, where does this go from here, in my opinion? I think next season, I think, you know, they've already announced we're going back to Winterfell, but it's talked about in this episode. So I think what's going to go on is you're going to see Jace talk to craig and stark and all that stuff is going to start going on so i'm really excited for that to actually see the starks comes back we know jay nelly's a stark on this show so yeah I, i'm stoked for that to see that next season um i think it's going to more go into that and then also i do think not giving anything away here i have read some stuff but i do think all i'll say is i think Masaria. Uh, and I actually don't know this exact part, but I do think Masaria will play a large role next season. And I gotta th- I think it's going to go more into how they're going to handle that spy situation. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, here's one way I always think of this, too. Just because Team Black has more dragons, always remember Team Green has the biggest dragon. So as we've just seen here, like just because you have a bunch of dragons doesn't mean that thing can't fuck shit up. So like that's where we have an issue, you know, like just remember um, just because uh, in the words of Jon Snow, I you have the numbers, <laughs> but we'll 
will your men want to fight for you when you won't fight for them? <laughs> so always remember that. So who knows? I, I do think it's going to be one hell of a ride. Um, and in, in a way, it's kind of sad because we have to wait a little bit longer because, you know, the next season they've announced isn't coming out until 2024. But it gives us a lot to look forward to here, which is going to be badass. Uh, so what about you? Where do you think it goes? Yeah, it's not go too far into it because I definitely want to maybe take a closer look at this uh, in in a week or so, maybe two weeks. I uh, <clears throat> I just kind of want to, I, I think that what's going to end up happening, just a quick brush over it, is we're just going to have a race to the major houses. I think it's going to be a lot of, not so much the action that happened here between Luceris and Aemon, but a lot of who's going to get to the Starks first, who's going to get to the Vale of Aaron first, who's going to get to uh, whoever else is, is coming into play I think it's going to be you know raising each side's army some are going to side with the greens some are going to side with the blacks and we're going to see you know th- that those that game of chess I guess I can say of who's going to join up with who uh, maybe we get some more dragon riders for some of these wild dragons maybe that comes into play uh, who knows uh, maybe we have this interesting kind of it, it, it's a comparison but very very different when i say this uh, maybe we get some sort of level of you know how peter baelish and lord Varys and game of thrones were kind of you know being the the secret you know moving pieces behind a lot of stuff maybe we have that with missaria and laris maybe they they try to like outdo each other you know, now that Laris, we assume it's Laris that attempted on her life, and they took an attempt on the White Worm's life. Maybe Missaria now like engages in her own little web of spies, and we've got this little spy battle, like these little, like obviously they're not gonna fight each other fist to fist or sword to sword, but with their minds and like getting their own you know people against each other. Maybe we've got this little this whole little spy war between <laughs> Laris and and the, and the White Worm. That'd be kind of fucking cool. And then, yeah, I think I think we're we're in for a. A bloody war ahead. I don't know how much of the war itself will take place in season two. If you're gonna ask my opinion off rip, I would assume that season two is gonna be more about accumulating the masses for each side. But I do think season three of House of the Dragon shit's about to go down. So either way, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing to see on screen. So that that's my uh, my prediction for that going forward on on a very very like high level before getting down to the nitty gritty details. And I'll go through that more in, in two weeks. But uh, yeah, dude. What about some debates? What about what debates do you have for me tonight? That was really my debate, just where it really came from. Uh, side note too, just remember, I think a lot of people forget this. Um, one thing that the team Black might be able to use to their advantage is Damon knows Masaria, so that's another thing I thought of. So keep in mind that too. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily knows where she is or anything. But at the same time, too, um, how ironic is that? That last episode with Otto, now he's kind of working with Masaria, where, you know, before with Damon, he says, You ran off with his whore. <laughs> so it's very ironic here. Uh, so keep in mind, I think Damon, um, Damon might try to use something like that to his advantage because uh, keep in mind he even snuck Rhaenyra out of the tunnels so he knows the keep and all that as well so you never know but just, um yeah that was really my debate just where it really goes from here 
Um, what about you? What's your debate for the day? Before I jump into that, I, I, I just want to answer your, 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 your thought there about Damon and Masaria because I just I don't think Masaria and Damon are on good terms because last time that we saw Damon and Masaria he was like this this was after uh, he had that night out in the street of silk with Rhaenyra back when King Viserys was still pretty much you know I want to say fully healthy but pretty healthy and ended up kicking Damon all up and down the damn courtroom because of how that looked like (laughs) so you know she's the one that helped him get up and you know he was calling her insults and stuff and so yeah, he might know her, but I don't know how great of terms they're on right now. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but uh, no, my, my debate for today, I just want to go into like what you thought the alternative options could have been. Like in, Instead of sending Lucerus and Jaceris out as envoys and messengers to deliver these, you know, the, the, the terms to these high lords and the other ranking houses of Westeros... Like, were there, were there other ways that could have been accomplished to where, you know, obviously Lucerus doesn't get killed by Vagar and Aemon? You know, do we do we think that it would have been smart to maybe accept the terms that, that the Greens gave? Do we think we should have stuck with the Ravens? Do we think we should have let Damon and the adults handle the messaging? What do you think, what are some of the alternative options you think would have been a little bit uh, better and, and not lead to the outcome of Lucerus Valarian uh, tragically dying. Yeah, well, one, I think the dumbest fucking mistake she ever made was just thinking people were going to honor their oaths. I mean, Corley's Valerian told uh, Valerian told her that she she was like, you know, so did House Hightower pledge an oath. <laughs> we see they're not exactly on the same side. So I think that was the. I mean, I think it was smart going as a messenger. I mean, you want to be peaceful, just like Viserys was. That's how he prospered all, prospered all through the years. But at the same time, you can't just abide by that if you're banking on a war. Like, you got to have something to offer, right? You know, even fighting a war nowadays, what do we do? We pay people to, to like, we literally, like, pay to supply the army. Look at the Lannisters offering their damn gold to everybody, you know. He just showed up empty-handed, like, expecting people to honor their fucking oaths. Are you out of your fucking mind? And You know, and then here's my other problem is I, I like that they were sent as messengers, but she just sent two fucking kids. Like, you sent two kids to negotiate, like, what this guy's gonna do with his whole fucking army? Like that, like, okay, like, I get her point with maybe Craig and Stark, what's going on next season because he's around the same age, but especially with someone that, you know, they were even talking about, uh, you know, the Greens were trying to even get on their side, which they were smart as fuck. They sent Eamon over there with the biggest fucking dragon and offered his hand in marriage. He's like, look, I got the biggest fucking dragon on the lot. <laughs> you can have my hand in marriage. We're over here going to take over the realm. Yeah, we got a shitload of money. We're ties with the Lannisters. They're going to give you some fucking coin. And then he just shows up. You got fucking uh, Luke just shows up empty-handed saying, honor your oaths. And he's like, what, the age of 13? A 13-year-old fucking boy now? Like, I would be fucking embarrassed, man. Like, you're literally over here. You're sent- That's embarrassing, first of all. You sent a fucking child to do your damn dirty work for you, to negotiate on something that's literally determining 
you're on, we always say this, you're on the blade of a knife on what's going to determine this fucking war. And you just lost the house because you sent your son the age of 13 with nothing to offer with a baby-ass dragon. Baby-ass dragon. Like, sorry, Drogon would fuck that shit up. And then Vagar would probably beat Drogon, honestly. Like, you're out of your fucking league, man. And then, then you just sit him there empty-handed all the way to Storm's End. It just makes no fucking sense. So, that's where I think she, like, fucked up. I think she just... She relied too much on trustworthiness and honesty... And unfortunately, we have this classic line called, when you play the Game of Thrones, you live or you die. And without alternative to you. It's it's, you either win or you die, but yeah, same point. Uh, Well, it it applies here because he died. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, you win or you die. Okay, there you go. He did, in fact, die. That is correct. (laughs) But uh, no, I think you bring up a lot of really great points. They she just did not play this smart at all they all told her i think corlys's quote was hope is a fool's ally you can't hope that they're just gonna they they mentioned how stale these oaths are like hey they're not even the ones that took the oaths their fathers like died like they're not gonna be held by those oaths they weren't even there when you like they swore them to you so it's the fact you made a really great point. She just relied a lot on trust and people's words. Bitch, we're at war. <laughs> this is war, man. I'm sorry. Like, like I need to see some action. Like, let's let's get things moving. You gotta send Damon over there with the blood worm scream in their face. You think that you think Lord Boros has turned Damon away? I don't think so. I don't fucking think so. I think Damon would have walked right up in that motherfucker. He'd have been like, listen. We're taking your army with or without you. <laughs> Call that a day. Like, I don't think, I think you got, they were letting children do adult jobs because Rhaenyra herself, she has a big ass dragon in Cyrax. She could have gone and with the crown looked imposing and menacing and really, you know, did the whole intimidation factor type of deal at, at some other of these locations. But like you mentioned, we're having Jaceris and Lucerus, and yes, that's great. They're princes. They want, they, you're going to want to see it. They can fly fast on dragons. is better than using ravens in terms of speed of getting terms to people. Sure. Yeah, I agree there. But it's not just about speed. you gotta, you got to get them on your side. <laughs> There's two sides of the coin. So I really think that they kind of... They really screwed the pooch of who delegating what task to whom. Right? To me, you're asking me what I would have done... Because they weren't getting ready to battle yet. Instead of having Rhaenys fly off on Maelys and, and circle around the the gullet and the area between the Narrow Sea and the ports to King's Landing, I would have had Jaceris and Lucerus together circling around that area, just drawing fire if we ever needed to. But realistically, you're probably not going to need to because nothing's coming to a war yet. We're trying to have this war of ravens and envoys, not of fire and blood yet. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to make any like funny connections, but... My point being is that if you have Rhaenys on Maelys going to treat with, you know, the Vale of Arryn over there, then you got Daemon going to treat with the Tullys, then you got Rhaenyra going to treat with the Starks, and then you got, you know, who knows, someone else going to treat with the the Baratheons, you probably have a better chance of getting these people on your side. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think a lot of people are turning down two out of the three biggest dragons in existence right now. You know what I mean? 
So I, I, I think that they just delegated the wrong tasks to the wrong individuals. And they were warned. Rhaenyra was warned. She was, they said, listen, like, this, we're going to need more than this. And she looked, she looked absolutely silly when Lucerus got this day. He had no idea what to do. He handed the dang message. I don't even think he read the message. I think she said, hey, just give this to Lord Boros. And so when he asked him a question, he's there like, well, shit, I don't know. Like, didn't prep him for any salesmanship to be like, well, you know what? Let me counter offer. Like, no, it was just straight up. Hey, remember your oath, man. <laughs> he's like, what? Fuck off. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, he's like, dude, like, they got Eamon's hand in marriage. They're going to give me, like, all this, this this gold probably from the Lancers that you were mentioning. And, like, you know, but it, it's, just, it's silly. It was really, really silly to think that there, there was just – it's just sad because I'm also kind of curious. I don't necessarily think Damon's uh, initial jump to plunge right in was the right way either – but can we come to like everyone playing to their strengths, right? Maybe, maybe Corlys makes the plans, right? Corlys at least has battle experience. He's the guy. He, he survived however many battles in the damn Stepstones. Let's let him put the pieces on the board together. Let you know where to go, and then you play to your strength and play that position he gave you. Lord Corlys should have been the damn coach here, and Rhaenyra should have been like, hey, you know what? I'll I'll sit the, the figure throne, but you guys are my advisors. Fucking advise me instead of sitting here trying to, like, you know, I don't know, man. I'm going into a long rant about it, but there's just so many things that, that could have been done differently, and I just think the wrong people were given the wrong roles, and that is exactly why Lucerus, Lucerus Valarian is dead now, where we didn't have to be that way, and it was, still could have turned out in favor of the Blacks, with no bloodshed, they they had a great plan. Corlys had a great plan. Hey, we're gonna cut off the North Sea. Can't get any supplies in. If we get these two houses, we're gonna close in on them, and they've got nothing. They've got to surrender. Great fucking plan. And then all of a sudden, Lucerus is dead. And do you think for one second that she's gonna stick to that plan now? Hell no. She's gonna go off the fucking rails. Of course she is. So yeah, I, I just, <laughs> dude, yeah man, we've seen that happen before. I, yeah, it seems yeah. very similar. Everything just seems very similar to what I've seen before from somewhere else. <laughs> just saying. History but. fucking repeats itself, man. But yeah, anyways, that that, that was that was my debate and my, my thought on my debate for uh, for this one, man. But do you have any other last words you want to say before we close up shop here? Yeah, just on that too. Like I want to say that here's the thing. This tactic if you want to call it that because i can't even call it a strategy because it's like a spur like i don't know if it was a spur of the moment decision it's like she didn't even think through it like she's just like okay well well we don't have a lot of time so we're all let scooby do this shit we're all gonna dr strange we're all gonna split up (laughs) and then i'm gonna send two kids out that way that would work if you're facing, like, the wildlings over the wall. Like, they'd be like, okay, well, you can fly off on your dragon. You'd be fine. Maybe the wildlings would be like, all right, sure. Like, we don't really have anything. So, like, yeah, we'll just stick to honoring our oaths. Like, you're talking about people that have had ties in this land for years. Think about even what they were saying last episode on the Green Council. They were saying... Uh, they were saying, you know, Beesberry was saying, you know, these were oaths that people had. And then I think it was uh, the Grand Maester Orwell, or maybe it was Jason Lannister. I can't remember who it was, but he was saying, 
Yeah, that was 20 years ago and most of them are dead. What in one's thought in hell would you think that this guy is like, yeah, like my father swore some oath years ago. I was like a, a teenager when that happened. Sure. All right. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go along with this. My dead dad that or like my dad that's upstairs being tended to by his caregiver that doesn't know what way is up and what way is down? You think I'm just gonna go along with this shit? Absolutely not. So I think in the words of Achilles, now you know who you are fighting. You made a dumbass mistake and you listened to people that were very smart, but you chose to go fucking against them. And Damon honestly had a great idea because here's the thing about the blacks right now is they have dragons to their advantage, but they don't have a lot of people. So you really have to strike quick because what do they have to their advantage? All the power with the dragons with few people. So you strike quick. This could have been over. But instead, the greens, based on finding allies with houses, yes, your dragons might live and burn everyone down, but they can still bleed you out. You don't have a lot of resources. And if all your people are dead, who gives a fuck if dragons are flying free at that point? So that's all I'll say. Well, to that point, keep in mind that if we were doing Damon's side of stuff, it probably would have all been Ash and Bone that Rhaenyra wanted to avoid. Like, <laughs> the all of a sudden, he just comes true. racing through when there's you know six dragons all flowing fucking fire and everything. It's probably going to be all Ash yeah. and Bone. So, like, I, I, I think, like I said, I think my opinion that Lord Corley should have had the damn coaching position and told everyone where to be. He's been in more wars than anyone can fucking count. And he's got a cooler head than everyone, too. Because he's just not a Targaryen who's hot-headed that flips a switch like Damon out the, gets fucking pissed out of the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? So I think they had a great-ass plan because you cut out all supplies, can't go in and out, and eventually you're going to run out of stores and, and then you look all around you and you're surrounded. What are you going to do? Like You're kind of screwed. And then the ones that are going to suffer are the poor people. They're going to end up revolting against the Red Keep. Then you've got more people on your side inside the damn keep. And then that's, that's the way to do it. You know, but unfortunately... Uh, they did not take that approach. They decided children should negotiate with uh, leaders of houses that they've never had practice or <laughs> or a coaching on how to do before, and they got no rebuttals. They they said, "Well, just give them these, and if it doesn't work, I don't know what to tell you." And they, they, I thought it was really silly that they just assumed that the Greens were going to stand still while I did this, and then have any thought, inkling that maybe they are out there trying to do the same things they are and gaining the allies and. Then you got fucking Vagar versus Eric's, and this is where we're at. <laughs> like, and I love that quote where you ended it on. He said, "Now you know who you are fighting." So yeah, yeah. man, I don't, I don't have anything else on top of that. Yeah, man. Uh, last question here: Why do you think Corley's was so quick? I wouldn't say quick, but in the show they did it quick to decide to honor his oath to support Rhaenyra when we know he had sort of a grudge thinking that they were responsible for Lanor's death and he was bringing up the fact that Rainey's and him should just sail off but Rainey's did hold him to his oath based on the fact that she testified that Rhaenyra is the only one holding the realm together because she was considering terms why do you think he was so I don't want to say quick to stay follow an oath do you think he's forgiven Rhaenyra? Do you think that he's just honoring his oath because of Rhaenys? What do you think? 
Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, man. I think that Rainey's is like, because he, you think about how close to death he was. He had that almost mortal wound. And he, when he came out, he's like, listen, we're not going to take anyone's side. We're going back to Driftmark. We're going to raise our grandchildren. We're going to sit there and just enjoy it until, you know, we're, you know the, our time's <laughs> called up. Dead. Right, exactly. So, you know, I, I don't think he was very quick to do it at all. I think Rainey's is like, dude, we can't avoid this. <laughs> and then on top of that, the, the one person, I, I, I already kind of made an enemy out of the greens by bursting through their floorboards and screaming in their face. So we can't really come crawling back to them. Like, you know what I mean? So we're not really, like, at some point, we're going to be a threat to the greens, whether we take Rainier's side or we stand off on our own to drift mark. Like, they're going to, like, they're never going to let us live it peacefully. So we have one choice here, Coralise. We got we to gotta join up with Rainier. And she's showing promise because she's, you know, keeping everyone kind of level headed at the moment. So that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think he was just kind of pulled into it by Rain East. And I think he's still in his mind, probably still holds somewhat of a grudge. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You got to support somebody. I mean, a ride-in is just a vote for the other team at this point. So, like Killy says, now you know who you are fighting. I'll let you close this out. Sounds good, man. Well, guys, if this is your first time joining us, you picked a great one to, to tap in on the very final episode of Season 1 of House of the Dragon. We really hope you enjoyed what you heard today. If you have been joining us from the very beginning, thank you for continuing to be the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. And if you're looking to figure out where you can follow us on social media, where you can go ahead and click like, subscribe, follow along. We are on Instagram at Official Ridiculous Patronus. We are on TikTok at Ridiculous Patronus. We are on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. And we do have our own website as well, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. Now, when it comes to the podcast, you can listen to us if you're an Apple user on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, we're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Podbean. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. So please go ahead and leave us star ratings on Spotify. Please leave us written reviews on Apple Podcasts because this is a lot of fun to bring you guys. But you know that we are out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.